0: TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin. I sit alone in my oh, four-cornered room, a candle. Correct for the times, I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm to dance. Dance. Yeah. oh, I can it. Come on, come on. Ready? Headlight, I can't sleep. I toss and turn. Candlesticks in the dark. This a body's being burned. Four walls, just staring at a nigga. I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger. Oh. Oh. Alright, that's enough of that My <laughs> chair just keeps <laughs> going got all all right.
1: Limited, right. We have a limited <laughs> amount of time So let's, let's get right go. into it guys Sweet. I am Ben Bateman, you are watching the AfterBuzz TV 30 for 30 After Show The official first one uh, As yes. I said, my name is Ben Bateman I'm joined by two lovely co-hosts here Introduce yourself guys Ladies first. Oh, well,
2: I am Steph Z, happy to be here to talk some 30 for 30.
1: I'm happy.
3: And Steph, I'm not just happy to be here, I'm happy to be sitting alongside you. I know. And doing this show. It's
2: been a minute since our last sports show. Because you guys were doing
1: the Monday Night Football thing together for a while, right? We were,
3: yep. That's a little plug right there. Monday Night Football. Tune in, come this fall. And,
2: and Hard Knocks. Yeah, Kevin don't forget wasn't that. on the panel, but hopefully we can work in this season. Huge we'll, football
3: fans, we'll, apparently. Yes. Huge. We'll check it out. But anyways, I'm Kevin John, and um, I'm happy to be here as well you can find Kevin John at Hey Kevin John yes you can find me at Hey Kevin John on Twitter and Instagram
1: or sitting next to Steph on 30 for 30
2: and if you can you can find me on Twitter at I am Steph Z where can we find you
1: Ben Bateman Media Twitter and Instagram and I'm gonna be on Periscope guys I I dropped in the last show it's live streaming life made by Twitter keep up with it I promise you it's gonna catch on but let's get right into the show first reactions to 30 for 30 I hate Christian Leitner what did you guys think uh, you know, I think it pretty much summed up
3: um, the perception of Christian Leitner during his glory days. Sure. You know, um, you know, I think the title was extremely proper and appropriate for what he endured, and you know, you kind of felt bad for him a little, uh, bit. A, a little bit when watching this. You know, you felt he was kind of unfairly perceived or, or, or scrutinized. So,
2: oh, I didn't feel bad for him. I didn't feel I. I really enjoyed how the perspective like we were talking about earlier with this kept you guessing because it wasn't as if they were trying to justify why hate him or trying to justify you shouldn't hate him. They were just telling the story. And in that, Christian pretty much owns that he's okay with being hated kind of for the love of the game. So I really enjoyed that, you know, one of the things that stood out for me in the whole episode was at the end, he was like, I really only care about the opinions of my coach and my family.
1: I kind of was, I was reminded, he reminded me a lot of Bill Lambeer and the way Lambeer talks in The Bad Boys 30 for 30. Yeah. Yeah, It's that really unapologetic, like, look, I was really good at what I did. People hated us. I was fine with it. I'm still okay with it. I'm willing to talk about it now, but that's basically it. That was kind of the attitude I got the whole time.
3: I do agree. I do, But see, Bill and Beer, I feel, personally, um, provoked a lot of those hate emotions a lot more than Christian Leitner did. I mean, Bill and Beer was dirtier than dirty.
2: Yeah, of course. And we do see Christian has a couple of below-the-belt, so to speak, moments. Who does True. But, I mean, when you step on a player, it's a little bit of a step too far. That's a step too far.
1: Agreed. So I think so. No pun intended. So in the film, they they talk about the uh, the pitchfork they use to represent the five sort of uh, reasons to hate Christian Leitner, and those five they list are privilege, the fact that he's white, he's a bully, his greatness, and finally his looks. Uh, So we I think should probably just walk through those five. It's the easiest way to cover the cover the documentary, and uh, I'm no no better person to start with than Kevin John. What do you think, Kev? Uh, Well, you know I guess we start off with the first one, privilege, which I thought was pretty
3: interesting because. There is was this perception that he was this rich kid and from this very wealthy family, in, which in actuality, he really wasn't, you know? He did go to a private school. Uh, I believe his high school was a private school. Yeah,
1: in Buffalo, right?
3: In, in Buffalo, yeah. Um, which, you know, there may have been affluent kids there, but, you know, he, he wasn't this rich kid or, you know, that you kind of thought um, – By the way, he carried himself. Right.
2: Right. I think, as a society, we jump to that always. If you see the prestige finish, we always... You go to he was privileged before he was hardworking because in order to attend that high school in Buffalo, he was working there because they couldn't afford it. And you would never think that. You just think Duke and I went to college in North Carolina, so I've seen this whole situation, but you think Duke, you think privilege, everyone was handed it to him. It's easier for them. Exactly. But for him, he just made his own destiny and he actually had the talent to do it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we go to privilege before hard work
3: you know i just want to read something real quick Uh, one of the espm colonists wrote about him at that school he said he was and when he says he kristen leitner was in all probability the poorest student at the school and almost certainly the only one whose parents ordered his clothes from the sears catalog which was the one place they can find pants that that fit him so i mean that goes to show right there right you know he wasn't this rich kid
1: people talk about i mean gladwell wrote in outliers and and bill simmons has talked a lot about this as well sort of the circumstances that create greatness and and how fringe those circumstances can be to create people who have such an amazing story like Leitner in college uh and i think when you think about somebody like that who as you said the poorest person in his school uh six foot eleven raised you know white lower middle class but ended up going to duke Genetically gifted, not just from a physical, like, you know, beautiful man standpoint, but also from the fact that he could shoot the three ball. He was 6'11, he could dribble. Like, he had all this stuff going for him. So, when you find yourself in a position like that, it's amazing to see what can happen. Right. Um, I also think that when you talk about privilege, you know, th- this is something like you know, I was raised in Seattle, white middle class parents, and pretty liberal family, right? They were like, do what you want, go to school, don't go to school, whatever. And I moved out cool to parents. LA. Yeah, and I'm, I'm six foot two and, and you know, I moved out here to model and whatnot and I get a bad rap the minute I walk in the door, no matter what I do, because of the fact that exactly those reasons, right? People ex- assume I'm a moron. They assume that I'm privileged. They All these things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm certainly no Christian Leitner by any means. But, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, the,
3: he's better looking.
1: The, the, the decisions <laughs> we make about people based on the minute we meet them, yeah. uh, and that can define so much of your life. That defined almost his entire college career. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was defined by the way
2: people saw him on television. Well, it's but, almost sad if you take that a little deeper. And I know we have a short amount of time, so I won't go on too much of a tangent. But it's almost sad because... I feel like as human beings, we are, when we see something different or something we don't have, it triggers this fear, which then makes us uncomfortable. So that's why we don't like. Sure. Rather course. than being like, well, where'd you come from? You look a little different. What was living in Seattle like? People put that right. stereotype and they build that wall because it's easier and safer rather yeah. than approaching and being like, What's up? And learning about each other, which I think we are doing now more in society today. Yeah. But especially back then, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties when he was in school it was exactly that. He just got pigeonholed as this type.
1: I think yeah. So if we if we move into the second one, which is sort of we're almost getting into it anyway, right. which is that he's white, right? right? So they talk about this in the documentary, and I think this is actually one of the well, this most. It's interesting. pretty
3: interesting. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The, one of the more intriguing ones.
1: Yeah. So the whole like early '90s revolution, when they basically say, you know, being black was cool, that yeah. became a cool thing in the early '90s. You have early '90s hip hop, and you have Michigan had the fab, fab Five, The Fab Five. You know, the baggy what? shorts, the black socks, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's amazing to think that a guy that looked and acted like Christian Later and was successful at the level that he was wasn't cool. He wasn't cool at all. Right. He was a 20-year-old with the world in his hands, and he wasn't even remotely cool. He was. People just loved to hate him. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because they thought he had everything. Yeah. People don't like that.
1: Well, yeah, I
3: mean, you know, we, we, we obviously were a nation that praises the working class and mm. those that came from nothing, worked hard to get to, you know, the where they are, blue collar, you know. And the the fact that he, you know, the perception was that he didn't, You know, embody any of those things was like this white boy right here was super privileged and all this other stuff. I can't stand this guy, but like you, like you guys said, the unfortunate thing that was just judgment. You know, people reserve judgment for him, and the fact that he was white. And blue-eyed, I think he has blue eyes or yeah. something like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he wasn't the most swagged out or, you know, he was like yeah. the, the white, you know, he, he was the white white guy. It's funny you know? that
1: Grant Hill was like whiter than him, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. but, and when, when I say whiter, Russell I mean... Russell
2: Wilson, it all yeah, goes back know, right? to <laughs> he's not black enough.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, and I think, obviously, this it's a touchy <laughs> subject to even really engage into yeah. when, you, when you call somebody white enough or black enough or, or whiter, yeah. all that sort of thing. But I think it's interesting that through, throughout time with sports, uh, white... And black have been defined by essentially Spurs players are white, right? Patriots players are white. It's this sort of like well-behaved suit and collar. Yeah. You don't speak to the media. You're well, right? You don't get in trouble. You don't speak your mind. And, you, and then you have guys like Iverson who are much more like thugged out, right? Who are, are and that's that's sort of been like the way the media likes to sell it. It's yeah. not the way it is, but it's just the way they sell it. So it's amazing to me to see later on Duke is like the equivalent of Tim Duncan on the Spurs. I mean, it's it's a guy who was incredibly good at what he did with a great system and a great coach Mm -hmm. who could just sort of get away with just being good and putting his finger up and not doing anything. Yeah. Which is
2: a little bit, for me, was... It's a little bit sad, in a sense, because I like to think that sports is the one thing where you... You are just judged on your skill. Like, if Christian Leitner wasn't as good, it would be a completely different thing. And and I feel that a lot of times, for me even watching this, I don't hate him because I can appreciate he was just good. And that's what he needed to do to be good. And as Mm -hmm. an athlete, I respect that. Which, you know, that's why this whole thing even existing is a little bit weird to me because it wasn't... It wasn't like you know Johnny Manziel who's out doing all this crazy crap and right. he hasn't proved himself to be good yet. Like this kid was amazing. He's had perfect games.
3: Yeah. But, but you know I think just kind of piggyback, back. I think sometimes we as society we hate the good looking person. Yeah. That's happened. for example, take Tom Brady, yep. married to a supermodel, really good looking, great at what he does and everything. And not to say that people hate Tom Brady like I later, just hate him because he's but,
2: a cheater.
1: Well, and the rule.
2: Patriots, Spurs, the-
1: Duke <laughs> in the early 90s, they're all very similar yeah, in yeah. the way they're we perceive that- them. Exactly. Yeah. People hate a winner. That's exactly. just the way it is. People it's hate a winner. Someone
3: that just mm. has everything, you know, like people except for Oprah. They love her. Yeah. But, you know, if you're somebody that has everything literally, you know, people can't stand that for whatever reason. And you see it with athletes like Leightoners and Bradys and, you know, um, yeah.
2: But it's only in and- something like that because if you took a- look at business side, like how you said Oprah and – Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, people that have everything, yeah. people don't hate them as much for some reason. Oh,
3: I can't stand Bill Gates. Really? I'm joking. Oh. I love the guy. <laughs> it was
2: like, you are crazy. Anyway.
3: Uh. But no, I, I hear you just saying, so it, I, I don't know why the, the you know the, the, this race and this um, privilege perception is so divisive in sports, because sports is like the one commonality where diverse you know not for diversity absolutely uh, plays
2: it's picture. because we're affected by it because we care we associate ourselves with a team and we feel it's i mean how many times have you guys been talking about sports and called it your team or mm, my course. team so and that's the difference we don't feel that oprah is my best friend or bill gates is what He's they do quarterback right yeah. but what they do doesn't directly affect our emotions so that's yeah. why i think we feel this way with sports so Kind of like. Is-
1: Go ahead. I was going to say, because we do need to move on to the third. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask really quickly, you look at the dichotomy between the black and white storylines, the Fab Five and Duke, right, in the early 90s. And they show this a lot in the documentary. They talk about it. You'd like to think 27 years later, or since he came into... I get whatever it is. Almost thirty years since the beginning, we would be completely different as a society. We'd be so evolved that the reflections, the reflections of our culture that you see then in 1991 are completely erased, and we're an adult. It doesn't really feel like we've, very, we've come very far, honestly. Like watching that documentary, I was just sort of thinking to myself, the way that I, as a white middle class liberal person from Seattle, perceive white athletes and black athletes. It's still not exactly the same. It's still different. It's still the way the media sells it. It's still the way podcasts and sports writers sell it to me as a fan. It's I mean, as as a critic I, and an analyst myself. It's just it's amazing to me that 25 years later we wouldn't be in a completely different place. I I think it's mind-boggling. I was noticing my own bias watching the documentary. I, I personally think it's not as prevalent now
3: as it was back in the early 90s. Yeah, um, I kind of agree. I, I think it's kind of calmed down. I mean, yeah, when Iverson came out, because yeah, he he revolutionized the whole hip-hop movement in the NBA. Why do you wear Conros?
1: I wear them to scare white people. That was his line, ex- right? Exactly. The and link? then
3: you also had Randy Moss, who was yeah. the same kind of attitude in the NFL, this thug kind of guy. You yeah, know? yeah. So you, you saw those, but you know that kind of died. Personally, I felt in the early 2000s. Well, especially once Stern implemented a dress code for the NBA and stuff like that. So I don't personally feel like I won't look at teams now in the NF, NBA or NFL and say that's a white team, that's a black team, that's a white team, that's a black team. I I honestly don't see it like that now. I just say okay, that team
1: cheats, that team works harder, that team is great. Final point, and then we'll get on the Ben being a bully. Last year, uh, was it two years ago? Richard Sherman sideline, Aaron Andrews. I'm the best corner in the game. Don't you ever open your mouth about me, right? The whole fiasco that happened. Yeah. Right. And the next day, the world went crazy. Social media and every journalist in the world and the ESPN and the 24 hours news cycle just tore him apart. Now, in retrospect, now that you talk to writers and analysts and you hear them talk about Richard Sherman, you know what they all say? Well, I've actually talked to Richard and he's, he's a pretty smart guy. Like they're, they're impressed that he's a smart guy. You were expecting it to be otherwise. Why? But you got to understand, though, <laughs> right. Richard Sherman. What he did in that interview
3: perpetuated that stereotype about Black people. I'm not saying he conducted a a great interview with Aaron Andrews. What he did in the way he conducted his behavior, right? Was indicative of that thug behavior. What Marshawn Lynch does to the media right now is indicative but of that. But You know so as well I think as I do that,
1: that to come to get to the bottom of that and, does, and decide is Richard Sherman intelligent, is he an intelligible person or not, takes one Google search, which most people were unwilling to even do. They wanted they wanted to react to that. That's what they wanted to react oh, to. They, they, they wanted to characterize him in the way that, that media has since 1991 characterized people like the, since longer than that. People like the Fab Five. Because so,
2: reactions sell.
1: Yeah, exactly. But anyway, we're, we, we're going to talk yeah. about this all night if we because we could talk about we it. All we night could. It's very interesting. I good. like it. Um, yeah,
2: I know. I'm like trying to not say I some know, things I want, you want to. I'm holding back. Yeah, yeah. Go.
1: So the third prong on the Devil's Pitchfork that uh, that he, the, or the, the the Duke Blue Devil's Pitchfork yeah. is that he's a bully. And they talk about bullying. And bullying has been kind of a hot button subject in our culture for the last four or five years now. Movies and, and documentaries about this. What do you guys think about that?
2: I think that there's – oof, this is going to be sticky. I think that (laughs) –
3: Well, get some adhesive.
2: I think that there's a big difference between bullying, harassment, and the wussification of America. Mm -hmm. That's my stuff. I agree. I feel like, you know what? When I grew up, and and much like Christian's older brother, my older brother, who's also his name is Chris – I mean we played tackle football in the street and I was the one that got tackled. Like I have been and I believe that built my character, so I don't care what a lot of people think. I, I show up and I feel that character building there's a very big fine line between pushing somebody and building character and teaching them a lesson to bullying. And what we do like how that's changed even nowadays how this every kid gets a participation trophy and we've gone sure, sure. so far to the other side of the spectrum and I feel that it's no good. It's not teaching people how to lose. It's not teaching people how to pick themselves up and I don't I think it's a disservice for 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 people, really. Yeah,
3: you know, I, I, I really agree, agree head on with you. You know, I think I think there's a fine line. I, I uh, unfortunately nowadays any and everything can be perceived as bullying. You know, I can say, oh, that idiot over there, oh he bullied, he bullied, or I can be out on the schoolyard right. playing basketball at lunchtime and accidentally elbow somebody. Oh, he's bullying him. So I think that now kids are are not being taught to be tough and to endure things because guess what? The way it is when you're in grade school and high school With, you know, everyone being fair and giving you ribbons and trophies for everything, that's not how the real world is. Right. So you need to realize coming up Things in the real world are, you know, are, you're going to endure this kind of stuff. And if we're not preparing the kids or, student, you know, what have right. you for that, I know we're slightly getting off subject with yeah. it, but, you It's know, all bullying, though. It, like, yeah, it really is because bullying, you know, and I work in schools. And I, I know what, you know, is classified
1: as bullying. Some stuff that's classified as bullying nowadays, I almost want to laugh at. I really do. So, I mean, there's a there's a long line of great people that have sort of, history has excused their poor behavior based on their winning success or their greatness like it's a it's this is something that you see in story after story Uh, maybe he was pushed in in ways that were I mean Whiplash the movie that just J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for that's what the whole movie is about he he is supposed to be as a as a music coach. He's supposed to be reflective of a lot of people's experience playing sports, I think, because that's the most identifiable position people are in. I had a basketball coach, I had a football coach like that who, you know, was incredibly nasty or pushed us a little too hard. Yes. This this old school style of coaching. So I think it's interesting to Bobby see Bobby Knight. <laughs> right, yeah. but
2: I feel that that old school sky, old school <laughs> style of coaching is effective. Because if you ask any athlete right now who probably played the most important role of their life i bet you some nine out like of that. ten it's always going to be a coach
1: so let's move to greatness because that's yeah. kind of what we're getting to greatness is inspired by maybe bullying in some cases um i'll have the first thought on this one and it's essentially that sports stories feel like they're told through the eyes of winners punctuated with how those winners happened sort of on the dotted line of records and it's in that order of like you have like winners you have maybe losers are the story of how the winner got there, maybe the second place or that great shot of the team that then lost in the next game, and finally have guys that set records. And we're always going to remember a winner. We will always remember a winner. It's mm-hmm. the most important thing in the world. If you lost, if you never won a title, it's almost like you're irrelevant in the history books compared to the guy that has won, for the mm. most part. Agreed. So I think it's fascinating to see that late, like Leitner was the most amazing college player of his generation, maybe, of all time. Right. Yet, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he was a flop in the NBA, right? That doesn't seem to matter at all. In yes, that looks. does, and we're going to get to that. Does. We're going to get to that in a second because I got some things to say about that. But go ahead. Please, go no.
3: I just was. I'm sort of was going on a tangent. Please, no. Well, first of all, okay. When it comes to greatness, yes, I, no one can excuse his greatness on the collegiate level. You know, I'll just read off some two-time ACC Athlete of the Year. All right, two-time national champion. You know, the, his 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 accomplishments go on and on. Yeah. Most points so, scored, most scored, history, most scored. games
2: played, most free throws made. Exactly
3: four Final Fours in a row. I mean, exactly. just, yeah. Now, this day and age, he probably would have jumped to the NBA probably after yes. his freshman or sophomore years. So he uh, probably wouldn't have like all
2: those like records talk about for hours too. And they yeah. say that in the yeah.
1: documentary, there'll never be another Christian Laettner because nobody's going to stay in no college. No one's going to stay for four for years. Four years exactly, right? yeah. unless you're Doug McDermott. But anyways,
2: um,
3: you know, at the, at at the end, at the end of the day, I will not take anything away from his collegiate career. I think he was outstanding. But what's funny is the five reasons why they said, you know, I guess what they came up with why why you hate Christian Leitner. The main reason why I dislike him, I mean, well, why I would dislike him, sure. I think, is none of those. It's because he stole the final spot on the dream team from Shaquille O'Neal, which we may get to later, but that really, really bothered me. Now, granted, Leitner had an outstanding collegiate career. Yeah, his player of the year. Unprecedented. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Shaq ended up going number one overall for a reason. Right. And I don't know if maybe the reason Leitner was taken on a dream team because um, Coach K was an assistant coach on the team, or maybe it was just the fact that Leitner was more privileged than Shaq. White guy. A white guy. A yeah, you know, of- I don't want to make black and white the issue right, right, here, right. Right. Sure, sure, but right. you wonder if that does kind of play into it, like if right. they were like, you know, we need the token collegiate perfect, you know, white guy to be on the team versus Shaq. I do think so. it's
1: it's interesting that uh, a friend of mine recently talked. We were talking about Kevin Love, and he mm-hmm. was saying Kevin Love is the only American white superstar in the NBA. This is this is after Nash. It's sort of now nah, he wasn't really a guy anymore. He's Canadian anyway. Um, I started to try to name guys, and I realized that he's pretty much right. Like Kevin, superstar American white superstar in the NBA he's basically the only one
3: Larry
2: Bird
1: no I'm saying playing currently Kyle Curver. Uh, he made the all star team he's not a superstar I know he's not a superstar but I mean I think when you think about how unprecedented it is that a guy would make the dream team out of college and that would be the guy it would be the privileged white guy that the only one out of college would be the privileged white guy that That is interesting to me.
2: It's funny, though, because you could almost spin that to a different sport. You know, a couple on one of our football shows, we were talking about, you know, black quarterbacks. I yeah. feel that it, for yeah. different sports, you can almost spin that white black thing in so many different ways, which is another reason why I think everyone should just let it go. And yeah. uh, you know an athlete is an athlete is an athlete. It, you, you know you talk yeah. rings, you talk stats, but unfortunately, like you said earlier, the media wants a reaction, so right. that is why they do some of the stories that they do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the, obviously, the last thing we touched on this already a little bit is his his good looks. He's he was a very good looking guy, a uh, very striking guy. Obviously, it's at six eleven. You walk into a room and you know you look like you're a model and you're as tall as anybody in the world. Uh, that's that's sort of a funny thing we we see in our culture as well. They talk about bet you know good looking people are more successful. That's what they say in the documentary.
2: Yeah.
1: Or there's I a perception.
2: That's, inser- that's very interesting. very yeah. interesting. Perception there. I think that it's if you're somewhat, a girl, maybe. <laughs> uh well, even so, I I do feel that that's a true statement mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. And the thing that worked for him with his looks is you think. I would think, and this is a horrible stereotype, but I'm gonna put myself out there. You would think six eleven guy, he's kind of lanky and awkward. This guy yeah. was not. He yeah. was just a larger man that had coordination. That you, know, you saw him, saw so he had style. He didn't look gawky. Right. So I feel that that works for him even more. But I 100% agree that you know looks play. I don't think they should, but I think that we would be a little deluded not to say that it. It'd be ridiculous, of
1: course they do. That's (laughs) the the world we live in. We all know that that's 100%
2: the case. The funny thing is, though, sports
3: seems like the one thing... Where looks should not matter and talent and ability should matter. I mean, in any other form or industry, looks may get you in the door. Oh, I mean, he got nowhere based on his looks. But, and that wasn't the reason. He was just that good, and he but, happened to be that good-looking too. Exactly. But I feel
2: sports like, yeah. so true.
3: I would say this though in sports now, if you do look like you hear about Anna Korna, uh Kova. Kova, there's a lot of perception about her that she's really not that good, but because of her looks, she gets all these endorsement deals. Right. Lolo Jones, that's yeah. another one. That's
2: Danica Patrick. They Danica, say of the bad yeah. who's in a Male-dominated sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think
3: sometimes your look, you know, will, But I still think as a, as an, you know, a, a, as an athlete, regardless of how good-looking you are, you got to perform. One
1: hundred percent, one hundred percent.
3: So, and
2: that is probably athletics is the only thing. There's a lot of terrible actors. There's terrible hosts. There's terrible. Oh yeah. That got a door opened because they were good-looking. Absolutely. Yeah. Sports is the one thing that's gonna sell you out not sell you out but it's going to burst your bubble way quicker than yeah. others cuz your looks can't get it might get you a meeting or an endorsement but it's right. not going to get you points on the court Absolutely. exactly which so, is why i love it so
1: in, in closing guys what what were your sort of last last thought on the documentary i mean how did you feel about it overall kevin
3: For overall well first of all i do want to give credit to um espn i think they did a wonderful job in just documenting and explaining a non-biased opinion they just told the facts told how everything was so i applaud them for putting together a great documentary and then you know um the unfortunate thing about it is that given all of leitner's accolade accomplishment he never really panned out um post collegiate he just kind of fizzled which um, is unfortunate to his legacy because he'll forever just be known as a bus that didn't belong on the dream team. I
2: mean, he played thirteen seasons. I don't think that's an yeah. actual fizzle. But to make uh, my my yeah, thing yeah, is course, that, he, he wasn't a
1: superstar, seasons.
2: but yeah. he got paid. He got, he he played thirteen se-
3: se- uh, seasons. He made one All Star appearance in ninety seven. To be so the number
1: to be he, the number three overall pick. Exactly. He, he but as they and they did say in the documentary, uh, and I didn't I just sideswipe. Michael your Jordan was the number three overall pick, by the way. Yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. So. He was the number three overall pick. They said it in the documentary, and I think this is indicative. This happens sometimes. Those guys that come out of college with a lot of potential, they never quite get to settle onto a good team with a good good coach and a good supporting cast. They constantly are getting traded, re-signed every year or two, and they just never quite settle. You look at guys like that, and occasionally a guy like that, look at a guy like Korver, man. Mm. He's 33 years old, and he's finally found himself in a good situation where he can be effective, yeah. and he's being recognized for a couple of years. He could just as easily have not been on the Hawks, and he could be a total afterthought. It happens mm-hmm. to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, these guys, like, I mean Jamal Crawford's another guy who uh, really mm. he really didn't hit his stride until he was almost over thirty. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first eight years of his career, he might have just been one of these flash in the pan guys at a college that didn't, didn't do didn't do much. So I don't think it's fair to say that he was a bust. But I think based on his college, I would like this. If just, you
3: win two national championships yeah. and you're twice Player of the Year, yeah. you know. There's big expectations for he, you, and I just don't think right. he lived up to his. Now, how Steph agreed. said,
2: agreed, he didn't live up to it. People thought mm-hmm. he was going to come out and be a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan or a superstar, and he was not. I'll yeah. give you
3: that. I like, mean, just looking back at the careers, the top two centers drafted him and Shaq. Is it clear clear to say that it's night and day between? Oh, both course. Of course. absolutely. Course. Night and yeah. day. So, final
1: thought for you on the documentary, Steph?
2: Um, I really enjoyed this documentary. I really enjoyed it, especially since you know, watching those. Um, the, the flashbacks to the games, you know, the 92 game, the Elite Eight, the Duke and Kentucky, considering we're in the yeah. championships, we have Final Four tomorrow. Duke and Kentucky, so it made yeah. me a little bit more excited to watch, and I kind of want to see the yeah. Duke-Kentucky play out again. Good time. Um, but I did. I really enjoyed how I don't hate Christian, and I feel like, like Kevin said again, that they did a very good job. You couldn't tell what side the filmmakers and ESPN were on. They were just telling a story, which I really appreciate, so that you can feel what you feel. And you can see a lot of the people that hated him and you can understand why but also being a competitive athlete i can understand why he was the way he was so it it made me feel a lot of different things and i like that
1: yeah i would i'm going to piggyback on that like my my feeling was that i thought it was a great objective approach i thought they took the facts and this is one of those rare occasions where the story they're telling is almost more fantastical than the way they're telling it i mean he really was that good everything he did really was that incredible in the most famous game of his entire career he was perfect actually perfect it's like a fairy tale. He right. played four years. I mean, nobody plays four years anymore. All of these things coincided at the same moment to to really make the story as great as they they tried to sell it to us as. And I don't think they were trying to excuse us and make him like him, make us like him. I also don't think they were trying to make us hate him. Yeah. So that kind of, to me, was my my biggest takeaway. But we we are running out of time, so we gotta sign off. That's fun. Um, <sighs> It was super fun. Hopefully we'll get to be back and do another one soon with a little more time. Uh, thank you for checking in, guys, and, and watching this 30 for 30 after show on I Hate Christian Later. My name is Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Kevin, where can they find you?
3: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hey
1: Kevin John.
2: And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Steph Z. Keep the conversation going.
1: And check out Periscope. It's the best. I'll see you guys later. I have no idea what Periscope is. I don't either.